Welcome, everyone, to Lessons with Mike. Today, my guest is... Hey, I'm Jesse. That's true. He is, in fact, Jesse. Now, it's a new month, which means it's time for the only real series I have on this program that I do repetitively, the monthly movie recap with Jesse. Yay. So, what's very interesting is in our previous episode, Jesse, if you remember, we talked about the decline in box office revenues for superhero films. And we can see going forward in the previous weeks that have happened since our last episode guardians of the galaxy volume 3 came out and while its opening numbers were not as high as they could have been the preceding weeks the staying power has been significantly greater than that of previous marvel movies i've got a chart right here that we can look at to see how good it has been in previous weekends for domestically now jesse what do you think now i can't really see the chart I know you can't see the chart, but what is your, what is your, make a guess, make a prediction. I mean, it's probably, oh, you're saying like the box office prediction? So first weekend, do you know what it made opening weekend? Wasn't it like almost 200 million? It was not almost 200 million. I believe it was 133 million. Let me pull it up right now just to make sure. So for its first opening weekend, Guardians of the Galaxy, volume three, made $118.4 million. Now that puts it at, are you counting international too, or just domestic? Just domestic right now. That ah. puts it, I believe, 16th place, according to this little graphic I've gathered together of all the different box office opening domestic weekends from MCU movies, the 16th highest opening weekend, which isn't very good compared to other such films. So, for example, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 opened with 146.5 million domestically, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 opened with uh, it's on this list there it is 94.3 million so it beat guardians one for comparison to other movies around that it did not make as much as love and thunder opening weekend and it didn't make nearly as much as multiverse of madness it also surprisingly did not make well it did actually make a little bit more than quantum mania so quantum mania 106 million but that opening weekend number is not very good however if you look at the second weekend and then going forward I have right here 47% drop, another 47% drop to weekend three. Then only, this is really incredible, a 35% drop to the fourth weekend. And just to put things in perspective, it's fourth weekend, the weekend that just happened previously, the closest weekend that happened prior to recording this episode, which would have been the fourth domestic weekend. It made 20.8 million in the fourth weekend. Now keep in mind, had the 16th highest opening weekend. So with that in mind, you would expect weekend number four to be way lower than it actually was but i'll tell you right now weekend four 20.8 million puts it in the top eight it beats captain marvel's 20.6 million and is just right below guardians volume two at 20.9 million if this pattern continues i predict that it will easily make well over 350 domestically and i think going forward it could potentially have very long staying power if we go a little further ahead to a few weekends from now the eighth weekend in that space the highest slot is no way home with 9.5 million i think it has a chance of being in the top five at that point the fifth one is infinity war with 5.4 million i think there's a chance of it beating that i think internationally it could potentially get a billion i'm thinking that's the best case at this point which is a real shame because this is much better than any of the most recent Marvel movies. This is by far the best Marvel movie since No Way Home. In fact, if you listen to the Ditwicks channel, I did a Marvel video tier list with him and some other people on that channel. 
and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 r- ranked very high on everyone's tier list. So universally, near universally, people like this movie more than Quantum Mania, Love and Thunder, and Multiverse of Madness. So one can only begin to imagine how much different these numbers would have been, how much higher these numbers would have been if this film came out prior to or if it came out without knowledge of or negating the Ant-Man film, the Doctor Strange film, Eleven Thunder film, because I think those three films in a similar time frame really damaged the Marvel reputation. Does Anyway, the reason we're spending so much time opening this segment talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 box office is because for this episode, each of us only have two movies, and one of them, for both of us, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which I may recall... It may be some recency bias, too, but definitely in my top five MCU movies. Easily in my top five. And I love animals so much. The the stuff that goes on with animals in this movie, it will make you want to break all the animals out of the facilities. Because it is such a powerful film. The whole message is behind it. It, it, The pacing was a little off. And there was one scene in particular, about a 30 or 40 minute scene, maybe a little less because time is weird where they have to go to this planet. They all wear the Amoga suits. Remember that, Jesse? Yes, it was like a meme when that trailer came out where they were just wearing the Among Us imposter suits. One of my favorite scenes, though, is when the colors don't match. Peter presses the blue button and thinks he's talking just to Gamora, but he's really talking on the open channel. Yep, that was hilarious. It was. And like both Guardians movies, this one, like both prior ones, this one is also very funny, very humorous. It also has a lot of heart. There's a lot of heavy-hitting emotional moments. There's also a lot of very disturbing moments involving animal cruelty, so it's going to be tough to sit through those scenes. And even for me, someone who really loves animals, it was tough. Yeah, definitely not for the faint of heart. And what did you think about Adam Warlock? I thought that was a great introduction to his character, and I thought it was like the perfect time to finally introduce Warlock into the MCU because... I know I have like some knowledge of Warlock outside of MCU, but from what I hear, he's like a very powerful Marvel character. If and in the I, right areas, I think he probably he probably should have been introduced earlier because he he wasn't fully powered in this movie. So people have criticized his use his ut- utilization in this film, mm. but I think the scenes he was in, even though they weren't very many qua- quantity wise, the quality of his scenes are very good. That and. With this being volume three, no spoilers, but the whole film I kept thinking so that people were going to die. And this is another reason why you shouldn't watch trailers. It'll keep you more in suspense of the movies because I t- didn't like the trailers for this movie. I didn't think they were good, but I'm very, I don't know, I'm, I'm weird when it comes to trailers. I try to avoid them, or if I'm really interested in the movie, I might watch it once, but I try to avoid trailers as much as I can because... And even though I'd already seen the trailers, I still I'd, I'd forgotten about them or I tried to put them out of my mind. And even even if you don't do that, you still have the chance. Oh, the studio could have altered the trailer or, you know, made it look there's, a, there's an example in Infinity War where the trailer was altered to make it appear as if Hulk was in the final battle or, you know, disappointingly, Hulk was not in the final battle. And Thanos had less stones. Yes, Thanos did, in fact, have less stones than the trailer made it seem. But it's so... no. The trailer had it to where he had less stones, but in the film he had more. That's that's what I just said. Isn't oh, I it? thought I thought I thought the way you worded it was like you were saying that the trailer had him with more stones than it did in the film with that scene. The trailer made it made it appear as if he had less stones than in the actual that's scene. It. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant to say. But 
but so the whole film, especially in the opening, I was thinking, oh, it's going to open with someone dying, and I am not ready for that. And then in so many other scenes, I kept thinking they were going to die. A lot of close calls. It really pulls at your heartstrings and really, really messes with you throughout the film. Yeah, I will say I did not watch a single trailer for Guardians 3, and I am very happy I did not. Mm -hmm. Trailers, they give too much away, and they're too long. A trailer should maybe be about 30 seconds, and it should give away very little. Uh, Maybe have one random actor from the movie read three sentences, a description of the movie. Space, aliens, planets, Marvel. No, that probably wouldn't work from a financial standpoint. But I do think Mm -hmm. movie trailers these days do give too much away. And I think it kind of ruins the experience. You know know why they're called trailers? To give you a preview of the movie. No, they're called trailers because they used to come after the movie. But now they come before. Well, I mean, it still serves a purpose. Give you a preview of a movie. Yeah, I know. But you know how trailers... Anyway, we're semantically a trailer is something that comes after something else like a trailer attached to a truck the term trailers Mm -hmm. because they're not called trailers they're called previews or but they are called trailers but the term trailers comes from them that they used to be played after the movies Mm -hmm. but now we're in this time in society where people will always leave after the credits no one's gonna say for the trailers so that's why they play them before i think yeah it, it i think it makes more sense financially to play the trailers before but uh, yeah. it gives you a nice little cushion. You know, movie starts at 6. Oh, that's just when the trailers start. We don't have to get there until 6.30. There have been some movies where I've had to, like, really do the math on – because it's like a three-hour movie. It starts at 8. Well, does it start at 8 or are there 30 minutes of trailers? Does it really start at 8.30? Because that could really affect, you know, the amount of time that affects what time. Yeah. Home. A, lot, a, lot of, a lot of reverberating consequences. But anyway, moving on, The High Evolutionary. Yes, I I'd never heard of the High Evolutionary before I watched this movie, even though, getting... played, even though I had played video games and watched Marvel shows as a kid. I'd never heard of High Evolutionary. We're getting to a point where the characters have to keep becoming more and more obscure because many of the popular characters have already been utilized in Marvel projects. And the Guardians of the Galaxy, I had never heard when the first movie came out. I'd never heard of any of these characters. The only character I'd heard of was excuse me, Nova, and Nova didn't even make an appearance. Uh, the Nova Corpse made an appearance in Guardians 1. I don't believe, did they appear in Volume 2? Um, I, I don't, don't remember, remember them in Volume 2. Yeah, I don't remember them being in Volume 2. So that's one direction I would have liked uh, to see going forward if Nova had appeared. But that's okay. Overall, the trilogy, I think, is the most solid MCU trilogy. Uh, it definitely Agreed. beats the Ant-Man trilogy. Uh, it beats the Thor trilogy for sure. The MCU Spider-Man trilogy, it, it beats that, I think, because all three Guardians movies are really good and solid, and I don't really have any major issues with any of them. What do you think, Jesse? I could probably take it a step further and say that depending on the certain art styles and for people's preference, the Guardians trilogy could beat the Avengers quadrilogy. Well, Age of Ultron isn't very good, so... I I don't really care for Age of Ultron all that much. It's a little tedious, and uh, it was just kind of like a, a placeholder film because oh, we have to we have to have the characters, we have to foreshadow this, we have to foreshadow that. It's a film that only exists to promote future films, unfortunately. Yeah, but anyway, I really enjoyed the High Evolutionary. I really wanted to throw things at him, and <laughs> great actor. I'm sure he's a very nice person in real life, but uh, I don't know how actors are able to portray evil characters in such a way where it's so convincing like i I don't think i could do it i definitely couldn't do it i'm not 
remotely trained in me kind of acting, but uh, very good acting choices. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was even in it for a more expanded <laughs> role than in volume two. Yeah, Raptors came back. Mm-hmm. And what I really loved about, you know, it's not very uh, very lengthy scene, but one of the Ravagers does use the Doctor Strange sling ring. And I love that because that establishes that the magic and the rules of Doctor Strange and Comertage are universal and they're not specific to just Earth. And I really love that, that little brief little mm-hmm. thing there. Or somehow the alien got onto Earth and then went back into space because the Ravagers did come to Earth at one point. That, uh, that yeah, I'm I'm gonna hard pass on that. <laughs> We're gonna hard pass on that. Fair but enough. The one another thing, the cinematography of the movie. One of the best scenes in any Marvel movie is when Adam comes to at the end to do something with Peter, and they, they replicate that painting where it's man reaching out to God, but it's really God reaching out to man. It's such a powerful scene, really. And mm-hmm. the film further shows. A very similar message, I think, as the film in Aquaman, because in Aquaman, you have Aquaman starting off. He refuses to save Black Manta's father, and that creates Black Manta as, as further more villainy, uh, villainous antagonistic character than he was prior to this. And in Black Panther, something similar happens because you have uh, T'Challa saving M'Baku, and then M'Baku comes back later to save T'Challa. So the overall theme of showing mercy and forgiveness because there was even a scene like, oh, we have to save Adam. And I wish Adam had been more developed. Hopefully that will happen in future movies. And one thing I thought was a little abrupt was the ending where spoilers, they all just kind of, they rescue, you know, the, the film's over. And then they suddenly decide to go their separate ways, which will translate. I'm going to translate that. Uh, their, their contract expired and they don't want to go on any more. They don't quite yet want to do any more films. Maybe they'll change their minds. So the writers perhaps wanted to leave the door open for the characters to return and not not necessarily kill them off, but just have them leave so they don't have to be in the next film, but there's an option that they could be in the next film. I do know that some of the actors did say they weren't coming back for those characters. Yes, they're very attached to James Gunn. Even when James Gunn was temporarily fired, uh, even though they were contractually obligated to perform in Volume 3, I don't think they would have done their... I don't think they would have tried as hard mm-hmm. if, they, if that were the case, if James Gunn had not been brought back to direct... And yeah. speaking of James Gunn, this is his last Marvel production. So after this, he's focusing fully on the DC productions. James Gunn has come to save DC again. What do you mean again? Well, whenever the Suicide Squad dropped, it was like viewed as probably one of the best movies in the DCEU. And then Peacemaker came out, which was a very good TV show. Mm-hmm. There are pros and cons to the Suicide Squad. Um the biggest pro is this movie somehow made me like Rick, Rick Flagg. I didn't think it was possible, <laughs> but that just goes to show you what good direction and good writing can do for a character. Because even though it's the same character, he was much more likable and much more relatable and much more enjoyable in The mm. Suicide Squad compared to Suicide Squad. But I do think Marvel movies going forward will suffer. Yeah. Uh, because this really was the last one that people were really holding out for. Because with Doctor Strange 2, you can tell from the numbers, people were so excited to see Doctor Strange 2. And if it had been good, it would have easily made a billion. Over a billion. It ended up making $950 million-ish ish dollars. Because it wasn't very good. People agreed that it wasn't very good. And as more time passes, more and more people agree that it is not good. After that, Thor Love and Thunder came out. People were excited to see that because Ragnarok was very popular. I 
I didn't personally like it, but it was very popular. So when Love and Thunder came out with the same director, people flocked to see that. And then that ended up not doing as well. Those second weekend drops, you're seeing 60, 70 percent revenue drops in the second weekend, which is not ideal. That is not a money making strategy. You can't make 150 ish million on weekend one and then have a 70 percent drop and a 60 percent drop. Because that's what happened with Quantum Mania. It made over $100 million opening weekend, which, you know, solid numbers. And then a 70% drop in revenue. That shows you right there. The film is not good because that's just an unheard of number. You don't drop that much in the revenue after one weekend unless there's a lot of negative word of mouth. You see the opposite thing happening with Guardians 3. The revenue drops are really good comparatively you have less than 50 percent drops all around and that's happening because the word of mouth for this one is so good i think there was a lot of hesitancy about seeing this one because people maybe have had the mindset of oh it might not be good the last few i saw weren't good we're giving up and now once positive reviews and word of mouth came in because people aren't going to trust what some movie critic has to say people aren't going to trust what uh, a news article or a magazine article is going to say people are going to trust their friends who have seen it. If, if, if my pal Ronnie from down the street says it's good, then it must be good. I'll go see it. And this perpetuates its own growth over time. Do you have a prediction, Jesse, of what you think the final box office number will be? Um, what's the total box office right now? Right now? Uh, I don't know the exact number. I'm going to guess and say 680. That's my guess, but we'll see if I'm correct. I was wrong. It's 7:48 as of uh, as of the time I'm recording this, uh, with 310 domestic and 437 international. So 7:48 total. I think it easily easily gets to 8:50, and I don't think a billion is out of range quite yet. I still think that's feasible uh, if the next few weeks continue on the trends. What are yeah. your thoughts, Jesse? I believe high highballing it it could easily reach a billion and it would also depend on some factors too like for example has it released in china yet if it hasn't released, yes it has oh it has okay i'm fairly certain it has because i know how because i know some films release later in china but i'm not sure if that happened with this one because if it did not happen yet then it could easily make a billion i've got it pulled up right here it has grossed 80 million dollars american dollars in china oh, okay gotcha yeah so but still, I'm looking at these Chinese numbers. These drops are not bad. 32% from week one to week two, 52% from two to three, and then 45% from three to four. Those are not bad numbers comparatively to other recent Marvel movies. Like I said, mm-hmm. Ant-Man, 70%, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Multiverse of Madness both had around 60% drops. So the goal of to get the long-term goal is to have the drops be as low as possible to continue to accumulate more and more revenue. But Mm -hmm. going forward, I feel like the MCU is not necessarily doomed, but the days where all of its films were guaranteed to make ridiculous amounts of money are now gone. And hopefully this convinces the studio to invest more into the films, not more money on special effects necessarily, but more money and more time on the writing. I know that's going to be difficult right now because of the writer's strike. And obviously we stand in solidarity with anyone with, with the writer's strike and the uh, writer's guild. And especially if you're not getting paid your fair share of work, there are a lot of issues with the way writers are being paid and as a as a very lefty as a very leftist person, I 
that love strikes. I think strikes are a positive thing. I think unions are a positive thing. And I think it really gives the worker more power to negotiate. I think it's a good thing. So, but I hope the strike is resolved in a soon in a soon time frame, and I hope it's resolved in a way that the parties involved benefit from it. But yeah, I, what what do you what are your thoughts, Jesse, on the writer's strike? Well, I believe this is the second writer's strike in my lifetime because in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, but I don't really it remember was, a whole that one. Yeah, I wasn't cognizant of reality beyond my uh, living room at that point. So, but it did lead to some effects. It led to some really, really poor movies being written, uh, really poor dialogue. And it led to a lot of TV shows not being as good or being canceled altogether. Mm-hmm. And it so, is happening this strike too. And you know what? People who are like, oh, the movies, people's livelihoods are more important than the movies. If the people feel like they're being mistreated and the people in the union have voted to strike, then that's that's what it is. That's that. I mean, they voted. They decided they needed to strike. And I'm hoping it gets resolved in a, in a manner that is beneficial to them. I'm not exactly 100% well-versed in all the reasons. I know there's a concern about AI taking over. And on this program myself, I've I've done readings of several stories written by AI. They're funny. They're not necessarily deep, meaningful, impactful stories. They're funny. I mean, we're experimenting on, some people are anyway, on making serious drama stories based on AI. But I've noticed that AI is not good at writing very good dialogue. Using good so many times in a sentence becomes a little redundant, but for lack of a better word, dialogue is not the strong suit of the AI from what I've noticed. And I don't think that that is a danger, but I do think that some some companies will try to utilize AI to replace their writers. And I don't think it will lead to good television because the robot, the AI, the prompt generation, humans constantly change and develop over time, even over a single day. Like uh, the lifespan of a meme, a new meme could drop and that could change the zeitgeist, the cultural zeitgeist and all these kind of things would change over the development of this meme. And the AI is not aware of this. The AI, as far as I know, cannot react in real time to new information and update itself accordingly. So that's one drawback, I think. I don't want to be rambling and raving on for too long about this. I do want to get to my question that I asked five minutes ago before I went on this rant. Jesse, what do you think about the future going forward of the MCU? Because going forward this year... The Marvel's movie is coming out, and then next year, which would be the year 2024, the movies that I'm aware of coming out are Captain America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts. Honestly, outside outside of Guardians 3, I don't honestly know if I'll see another MCU movie in theaters again because it just doesn't interest me. Outside of Deadpool 3, of course, but that's like way down the line. And maybe Secret Secret Wars, just to see how it all ends. Deadpool 3 is slated, I believe, for late 2024. Yeah. It's not like I have a countdown on my phone that tells me how many days until it gets released or anything, but 526 days from the time of this recording. Oh, but, speaking of Deadpool 3, did you see that Ryan Reynolds can't be on filming for the set because he's part of the Writers Guild? That is not what I saw. You might be correct. That is not what, not what I saw. I saw that Ryan Reynolds is not allowed to do improv and is not allowed to write additional dialogue because he Uh-oh. wrote. That was it. So 
the filming is going on. He's allowed to film, but okay. he cannot write anything additionally or improvise anything, which could lead to some problems. But Disney is insistent on the shoot happening, and it seems like they really want to meet this release date. And I would be very upset if the release date got pushed back, despite them seeming to be pushing forward, going again, going going through with the shooting. Because if they wanted to postpone the film, then that would be ind- ind- indicated by them taking steps to wait until the writer's strike was over to begin filming. But uh, that is not what they are doing. So we'll see how it turns out. I think it will be good. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm skeptical on if it will actually be released when the release date is set. But maybe it will be. Who knows? We will see. Uh, with Cats in America, New World Order, and Thunderbolts, I'm not particularly interested in them. I probably won't see them in theaters. Um, I'm curious to see Harrison Ford play uh, General Ross. Uh, rest in peace to William Hurt, who I think is the, the absolute best person that could have played Ross, but it is what it is. And what about the Marvels? Oh, I, I'm not. Of course, I'm not going to see that. That looks so yeah. boring. Yeah, I'm not either. It. It doesn't look good. Maybe it is good. It doesn't look good. Maybe I'll see it. I probably won't. But anyway, we've spent 26 minutes of this program rambling on, talking about all kinds of things. But we have each have one other movie that we saw. I have some what? more stuff to say about Guardians. What do you have to say? The opening and closing musical track scenes were peak. Amazing. Amazing track choices, amazing camel work, and amazing stuff that went through with that. Like, just the specific, like, track set the mood, uh, the tone for the movie. Oh, for sure. And James Gunn has been, whoever has decided the, the soundtrack for the movie has done very well. I have been listening to Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine so many times since that movie. That was a beautiful scene, and mm-hmm. it was a really heartwarming moment. And uh, I know some of the characters are unlikely to return. And some of them will return. We will we will have to wait and see which ones return and which ones don't. But Jesse, I do want to move on to wait, the, uh, the movie. What? One last thing. I you am said very, that very, I said I had two things. That oh, was, I'm sorry, yeah. I misheard you. So another favorite scene of mine was the scene with the car door. Oh yes, the the first use of a certain four letter word that starts with F inside the MCU. And it was I'm really sad. I'm really, really sad Deadpool didn't do it, but I feel like the joke's gonna be funnier now. I am I wish that that scene hadn't been spoiled because I saw that scene before the movie came out. It would have been so I don't know. I thought it was really cool how and I hope this is a trend of the movies leaning more towards adults because think about it. The target audience of these films grew up with these films. Now a kid mm-hmm. What kid is going to want to watch Captain America 4? I mean, they have to go through 20 years of MCU movies to get caught up. So hopefully the films will age out and age with us. Who knows? Maybe not. But anyway, the other movie I saw this month is One Piece Stampede. And very briefly, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. Um, If you're a fan of One Piece, you will probably see the movie because, you know, you're a fan of One Piece. You want as much content as you can get. But if you really like One Piece... uh, I don't think you'll enjoy the movie. I mean, maybe you will. I just, I don't think you will. Because unlike other recent One Piece movies, this one, to my knowledge, is not written by Oda because it just, there's something that feels off about it. I feel like so many characters were crammed into this movie just so that the characters could be advertised as being in the movie. When in reality, all these characters 
maybe have 30 seconds to a minute or two of screen time. Many of them are not utilized very well. And there's a really cool battle sequence where all of the 11 supernovas fight against Douglas Bullet. And Douglas Bullet beats them all very easily. The only exception, of course, being Luffy, because he's got the main character power of, you know, being the main character. It really, really helps. But, and then I just, I'm really skeptical of the power scaling in the film and how there was just something that felt off about the whole film and it's not canon it doesn't really fit in the timeline at all so you can't even try to make it canon um if you're just a casual one piece watcher if you just watch the anime or if you just watch what's canon then you would i would recommend skipping this it doesn't really add anything there's some fun comedic moments especially involving buggy who unfortunately we have not seen a lot of buggy since the time skip but every time Buggy does appear, uh, it, is, it is something that graces our presence, and we are blessed from it. So I think those scenes are good. But not really much. It's pretty forgettable and generic. Some cool fight scenes involving characters. But eh, it is what it is. Anyway, Jesse, the other movie you saw, I'm very excited to hear your take on it. Because this is a movie that I discussed, and I believe it was our March movie recap. Mm-hmm. Yes, so the movie that I saw outside of Guardians 3 was the fifth movie in a newer DC animated film lineup called The Tomorrowverse, mm-hmm. and it's called Vision of Superheroes. So the main plot of this is that Superman sends his cousin Supergirl to the future to train with the League of Superheroes, and there's like some shenanigans that go on in there and some callbacks and returning characters from previous films as well that kind of connects everything back together again. Now, I'm not really like a big fan of there being a Justice League already established. Like in, let's say, Origin Justice League movie yet in that Mm -hmm. universe. Yeah, I because you're right. There is no actually set Justice League. They're just interconnected a little bit. And you get to see things behind the scenes, and it's not spelled out for you. It's, you know, your interpretation of what happened. But with the War World movie coming out, I feel like we'll get a more concrete origin story for the Justice League set in the Tomorrowverse. I already mm-hmm. like the Tomorrowverse infinitely yeah. better than whatever it was they were doing before. Beast the Animated Universe, and I agree. It is a lot better. Like, there, you could, there's more, like, story written with the characters, and it's not like violent just for the sake of being violent or gritty and dark just because it can and it just happens to like take a lighter approach to things and it just turns out better and i'm all for dark and gritty but you know there's got to be hope there has to be positivity if dark and gritty even batman is not always dark and gritty i think the movie the batman showed that batman is more than just some dark broody character batman is an inspiration he inspires care. He inspires fear in people who would do wrong, and inspires them to do better because they're like, "Oh, I don't want to commit crimes. Batman will beat me up, and I don't have health insurance." But then, one mm-hmm. beautiful scene in the Batman is when he takes the torch and is leading the people out of the flooded tunnel. And see, that's something you don't see a lot of in modern Batman stories. Yeah, if you don't see him like help out a lot of non-criminals that much outside of certain media, but it was nice to portray Batman. And going forward, I'm very fortunate that the DC Universe, now helmed by James Gunn, 
is not canceling the Elseworld projects because I was a little concerned that Joker 2 and Batman 2 would be canceled. That is not the case. They're continuing. And not only are they continuing, other Elseworld, Elseworld projects are continuing. This is such a good thing because it gives those creators freedom to tell stories that do not rely on having to follow the interconnectivity of all the other movies. Because if you really break it down, even the MCU has broken its own continuity several times. One of the biggest examples of this is Spider-Man Homecoming, because that completely messes up the timeline in a way that cannot be fixed. There's other examples, how? too. We don't have time. What do you mean, how? I mean, like, how? Well, Jesse, in the beginning, it says, uh, was it said 10 years later? Is that what it I... says? I don't remember much from home. Homecoming opens with a scene of the Department of Damage Control uh, putting Vulture's company out of business, and then it cuts to like 10 years later. Right? Yeah. I anyway, gotta we don't have time to go into it. It messes with the timeline, and it's getting to the point where the MCU timeline is almost as bad as the Fox X-Men timeline, but not quite there yet. We'll hopefully be able to maintain some sense of cohesion which I think being a, being you know tied to this cohesion is a problem. I think it would be more beneficial from loosely connected stories where they don't have to all match up. Loosely connected stories would be more ideal, I think. Like, for example, if No Way Home was not connected to... Or Far From Home and No Way Home were not connected to the... Endgame and Infinity War movies. I think they could have. I think uh, both those movies are good. I think they could have been better if they were just their own separate thing. But anyway, enough of that. That's the episode. That's what we rambled on about. Did you have anything else, Jesse? Um, I did not, but I do believe this month we will have a lot of movies to talk about. Yes, we have to end the episode talking about the upcoming month. So this month, I'll definitely be seeing Spider Verse. Yes. I will probably be seeing The Flash. Uh, what else? In addition to that, those are the only two that I think I'll see in theaters. Uh, but I also want to watch Sisu, so we'll see if that happens, because that looks really good. Yeah, and there's another DC animated movie that came out too, Doom, that came to Gotham. I'll try to oh, watch yes. that too. I, would lo- I need to watch that one as well. We'll have plenty to talk about next time for sure. Alright, well thanks mm-hmm. Jesse for being here. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you gained some insight or benefited from this in some way and i hope you'll continue to benefit from all of your endeavors as long as they are positive and beneficial to others thank you and you know jerry springer rest in peace he said this. he said take care of yourselves and each other and that's how he signed off on all of his programs it was so beautiful because the core aspect of humanity no matter how you want to look at it when you break it all down we got to push each other forward. We got to champion each other. We have to help each other improve. And you do that by taking care of yourself. You can't fill someone else's cup if your cup is empty. But once your cup is filled, you don't let your cup overflow. You take that cup and you pour it onto someone else's cup who doesn't have as much. See, we could go on and on. I'm getting a little preachy, so we're going to end it right now. Fair enough. But anyway, that was a powerful metaphor, don't you think, Jesse? Agreed. Like, there should be, like, more kindness in the world and putting yourself last to help someone else. Exactly. I love that. So many people have this very I, I, I mentality. If everyone had this mentality, these movies that we talk about would never get made because the amount of people that have to collaborate in order to make this, 
You have to mm-hmm. look beyond the individual. You have to look beyond plus ultra. It's a My Hero Academia reference. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you again next time. Or we won't be seeing you, but we hope that you tune in to listen to us. Yes, please do. Please give Mike more listens. Yes, more listens from you equals more money from me. And the more money I get from this, uh, there's a correlation that says the more money you have, the happier you are, the happier you are up to like a certain point. So I will let you know when I have reached that point, And at that moment, we can stop. But until then, continue to bring on the listens, which brings on the money. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.